Hi, everybody, and welcome to Ask a Pro, episode 19. Um, this is going to be featured on the ADU University. My name is David Donahue. I am the host. I am a property developer, provider of ADU uh, panel kits, manufactured factory built ADUs, and I also built and just finished a 734 square foot, one bedroom, one bath in um, our backyard in Burbank, California. I'm also a member of the Casita Coalition, and that is where I met Stephanie Gutierrez, who is an, a real estate agent in Long Beach and who specializes in um, accessory dwelling units. And she is doing an amazing job on her social media posts, meetups if that are in, in person with really fantastic professionals and other ADU experts. She brings them all together and shares her experience. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much, David. Wow, that was an amazing intro. And congratulations, by the way, on your new ADU in Burbank. That's awesome. Um, I'd like to hear what that process was like working with the city of Burbank, but we'll leave that for another topic. Um, as, as David mentioned, I am a realtor, born and raised in LA, or Long Beach, but I service LA, San Diego, Riverside County, and I host ADU meetups all down the coast. And as David mentioned, I bring different professionals from the industry who are very knowledgeable in the ADU space because ADUs, I think, are here to stay and we all need to really just do some catch up and, and I'm here to share knowledge and share what I'm doing and what's been working for me and my clients and hopefully I can bring a lot of value and I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity, David, so thank you. Well, you're very welcome, Stephanie, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this because I think you're going to help, you know, homeowners other real estate agents, because I know that we're probably going to have a few that are going to be logging on to watch this live. And if you are, please put in any questions into the chat. Stephanie and I will do our very best to be able to get to them as soon as we can. And if you are watching this on YouTube or at the ADU University, or you're listening to a podcast, you know, there's going to be information where you can reach out to me with any questions and also Stephanie's contact. So if you're looking for somebody to help you identify, evaluate properties you may be looking to purchase or to sell, she's going to be making herself available. That's right. Yes. Thank you so much for that, David. You're welcome. And I am excited too, because you put together a wonderful presentation and I'm going to just turn it over to you so you can kind of share that with us. All right. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for the opportunity. Let me go ahead and share my screen here and get my presentation ready. So as I mentioned, I am a, I'm a realtor born and raised in Long Beach. I specialize in ADUs. I'm, uh, I'm also a consultant, a strategist. I have a podcast on all things ADU and real estate. And I also have a real estate team. So a little bit about my background. I've been in the industry for over 10 years. I started off as a receptionist and worked my way up. Um, I did marketing. I recruited agents. I did property management, managed over 200 properties and HOA management. So a lot of, of different hats that I've worn. So I have a very good experience with management and setting expectations. So I'm really hoping that after today's presentation, you guys have a very good foundation and good understanding of what ADUs are and how you can implement it, no matter whether you're a realtor, a first-time home buyer, a seasoned investor, whether you're in multifamily, luxury space, it really fits every single category, right? Uh, topics of discussion for today, we're going to be talking about what an ADU is, right, at a very basic level, 
Um, what are the different types of ADUs and why are people building them all throughout California? And I will say California is doing an amazing job as far as leading and paving the wave of ADUs throughout the nation. I think eventually other states will catch on to that. But yeah, so we'll touch on that. We'll talk about financing options. I'm not a lender, so I will be just speaking on what's working for my clients and what I see working for most people who are looking to buy and build. I will also show you guys some stats. That's always good to know. Stats and data to put things in perspective for you guys. I will also talk about team structure, timeframes and costs. And I do have a case study to show you guys. Um, things to consider. This is probably one of my favorite slides, especially for all investors um, who are thinking of buying with the intention of building and resources. And, you know, David has a lot of resources as well. Uh, I'm just here to tag along and share my own <laughs> that I've that I've uh, been able to build as well. Wonderful. So, thank you so much, David. So for ADUs, ADUs are accessory dwelling units, and they are, you know, they, they've been referred to as many different names in the past, rumpus rooms, granny flats, casitas, uh, different terminology, but the sexy term right now is an ADU. It's a single family residential, uh, you, you can build an ADU on a single family residential lot or a multifamily, right? So what I like about the strategy is that it's for residential and multifamily. And here in California, state law says that you can build up to 1200 square feet. Now you also have your local laws, which may instill their own, you know, requirements and regulations. And that's something that you may want to check with your local jurisdiction. I mean, LA alone has about 86 jurisdictions. So it's a lot of homework and research on the back end, depending on where you're, you're located. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's really the basic terms, right? Any resident in California should be able to build up to 1200 square feet. And now with, you know, there was a lot of legislation updates that happened last year. You can also have a junior ADU. In some cases, it has to be attached and others it doesn't. In many cases, it has to be primary residence. And I know very few uh, municipalities who, who don't require that. But yeah, in, in, in essence, it's its own unit, right? And it, it's used for many different purposes, which I'll, I'll touch on. But before I get there, I'll talk about the different types. Now, there's, these are like the most common ones, you know, ADUs that I've seen as far as size. I, I talked about how you can build up to 1,200 square feet. I've seen as little as 150 square feet. And you have your, your standard ADU, right, which is just a standalone. You also have your attached, which can be, like I said, a junior ADU, which is anything under 500 square feet. You have your garage conversion. In California, or Southern California here in LA, most of our ADUs are garage conversions. Right. In, in places like, I have a good friend, Jen, she's out in Portland. Most of the ADUs being built out there are basements or attics, right? Because that's just more common. So what I tell people is, different markets will favor different types. You have to understand your market and what's feasible there and, and what's most popular, right? Here in LA, most of them are garage conversions and a lot of them are for aging family members and then also for passive income and cash flow. Yeah, and I think that I've seen, and maybe you've seen it too, Stephanie, is that um, the converting a garage is um, a lot less expensive than doing a detached or an attached ADU when you're doing, you know, kind of new construction. 
I mean, converting a garage may involve a lot of different things, particularly if it's an older, you know, detached garage that may be right on the property line and grandfathered. Right. But it, you know, I know that we spent well over 250,000 for our 734 square foot brand new construction. And that's average. Yeah, that sounds about right. I was going to say, you know, your average garage com conversion is about 400 square feet. That should be anywhere between 125,000 to 140,000. And then anything over 600 square feet, you're, you know, it's, it's, it sounds about right. Um, I think that, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely much more inexpensive to, as a first time home buyer, right? To buy a property with a detached garage because that's just gonna be the best route. If you want to extend or if you wanna do new ground of construction or even two story, right? And I, I know we'll touch on, on parking situation and, you know, parking isn't required guys for these ADUs, but I always tell my clients to be mindful about it because if over 70% of the, the ADUs in LA are garage conversions, where is everybody going to park at some point, right? We're going to have that issue. And so I tell my clients, let's think about, you know, the future. And then also as a landlord, you can charge a premium if you now offer parking. And so I think it's just a great way to still be mindful of it, even though you don't have to provide parking. It's a great incentive. And I would advise that, you know, if you're thinking of converting the garage, maybe think about building up top and keeping the integrity of the garage or extending the garage, you know, getting creative. But of course, it is more expensive. So sometimes it's not within people's budgets and I get it. But I, I always advise that you be mindful about parking, especially right. in LA. Right. And I think that the uh, you mentioned it a moment ago about um, for fa elderly family members. And I think that that is probably where people are having to respond to, let's say, a pain point that they have an older parent. They're living by themselves. They want to bring them closer. But it's also important that they have their own privacy and they have their separate living area. And a junior ADU can accomplish that very easily. And as you mentioned, and I agree, you can do it for a lot less than having to build ground up new construction. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of aging family members, like you said, they want their privacy. It, it is it is co-living, but you'd still want your privacy. And so I, I think that just being mindful of that. And like I said, for as an investor or a landlord, I'm just thinking, OK, well, if I offer parking, that's an amenity in places like L.A. <laughs> Great amenity. <laughs> right. So um, the next slide is about financing options. And, you know, with financing uh different different traditional loans work for different people what i've seen that works in this order is heloc loans and you know for, for those of you who don't know what a heloc loan is it's a home equity line of credit and the reason why this one seems more you know feasible for people is because of the fact that it's on an interest payment only and it's typically for like a 10-year term 15-year term so your monthly payment for financing a project is very low, which still allows you to cash flow. And, and that's because of the rates that, that we're currently in, right? But if the rates were a little bit lower, sorry, if the rates were a little bit lower, I Welcome think- Welcome to the ADU place where I'm gonna be sure. I think that the, um, sorry guys, go back. If the rates were lower, cash out refis would really be a good option for people. If you have equity in your home, then you're basically borrowing against that prop that that equity and funding your project. I've also seen a combination of secured and unsecured loans. 
um, renovation loans like renify.com. You can check them out. They have really good options as far as renovation loans. But the reason why I put them in this category is, you know, renovation loans and unsecured and secured and hard money, those are going to be higher interest rates. And so significantly sometimes, right? Very, very much. You know, right now we're like at a 6.5% or something like that. If you do hard money, you're looking at nine to 12%, sometimes even higher. And if you're doing hard money, you know, you have to take into consideration points and all these other fees. I'm dealing with one right now in Highland Park. I have an ADU project there. And um, yeah, I'll talk about it right now once we get to the things. Right. I, before we jump off this slide, because I think it's you, met, you touched on something um, I think is really important because I'm not sure, you know, people a year from now, two years from now watching or listening to this, you mentioned about HELOCs or rent from cash out refis. One of the reasons that cash out refis are not looked at because people, folks do not want to get rid of their very low interest rate that they may have. I know ours is, you know, I think below 3% because we refinanced, but now if you want to do a cash out, you'd have to then turn that existing mortgage into something that's 6% or higher. Exactly. So as an, what David is basically saying is anybody who bought a home within the last three years is most likely locked into a rate under 4%, under 5%. And so right now, if we're getting closer to 7%, it doesn't make sense for you to borrow against your property at a higher rate, especially if your intention is to rent the ADU. There's a very small spread for you to cash flow or create passive income or even help it offset your mortgage as a first-time home buyer. So yeah, I think you're right. And not only for buildouts and for funding ADUs or cash out refis not, you know, really attractive right now, but even for selling, you know, like if people wanted to sell their home or do a cash out refi and buy another one, it's just not not the best move right now because of where we're at with the rates. So that's why I think HELOCs are the best option right now that I've seen. Um, a lot of people in, in different types of marketplaces, but I would say in the luxury space, I've noticed that most of those are cash or self-funded or family members have cash for it. Right. So that's also an option. And grants, we now have, you know, as you know, access to the ADU grant, which is back. It, we we didn't have it, I think, since December, was it, when they closed out it's, the application? Yeah, it's been a long time. And I think that uh, HPP Cares, uh, who's one of the larger... Uh, facilitators of that grant is working through a lot of the people that have applied and been awarded. I kind of am a little bit of a cynic, a little skeptical of all the people that went I in. I remember us talking about it, remember? And, and it's happened. Now, what did yeah. I say? They're, mm -hmm. they're not all going to be able to do it. And I think they have released another 150 grants that are out right. there. I think so. I think that will continue to happen. I can't tell you how many people talked to me and wanted, you know, the scope of work just because they're, hey, David, you, you're a preferred provider with um, HPP Cares. Right. Can you give me a scope of work? And I would have dozens of those and then crickets, nothing. And nothing. so I'm like, all right. But anyway, that's that's a whole nother rabbit hole. Exactly. That's why I like to just briefly talk about these uh, financing options, but it's very important. And the reason why I started off with financing is because just like when you're going to buy your first house or buy your first investment, 
it's no different than when you're going to build, you have to get pre-approved or approved for a, for a, you know, for a loan amount to fund your project. Now, just like when you buy your house once, I mean, just like when you're buying a house, you get pre-approved, you determine your numbers, you reverse engineer and you start looking at properties that are within that budget and within that, that comfortable monthly mortgage that you're comfortable with. Same in the ADU space, you have to first sit down with the lender, figure out what's the financing option that works for you and your project, and then reverse engineer, right? Like, I'll give you an example. I have clients who say, oh yeah, I want to build a two bedroom or even a three bedroom ADU. And I'm like, okay, great. Now, once we go and get financing, they're only qualified for 150 or 200,000. And, you know, that now it's just like, you have to go back to that conversation and now you got to build something within that 150 to 200,000 and it's go not a three bedroom. Exactly. Yeah, go, go smaller. That's about people say, how can I save money? It's like, well, you can be an owner builder or you just, just go smaller. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it just go smaller. So that's that with financing guys. It's very important. It's, you know, you definitely want to choose the right lender, go with somebody who is knowledgeable in the ADU space and somebody who can really just assess your long-term goals, right? Like, you're looking to build and then and then what like what what is the exit strategy for that build out is it to rent are you looking to do this again in the future just have somebody look over your portfolio and really give you the best financing option um, now stats and data i really like to show this slide because i want to show you guys how important adus are here in california in 2020 we had over 23,000 adus built 34,000 in the permitting process. So in two years, in a two-year span, we hiked from what was in 2015, 3,000, right? There was 3,000 applications for ADUs in 2015. And when legislation made it much more feasible for homeowners in 2020, really 2017, but 2020 is when it really became much better, it jumped to over 20,000. And so, and then COVID hit. Right. So then now you have like this whole backlog of applications. And so when people ask me, like, how long do permits take? I think that this is a good data point to put things in perspective for you guys. A lot of people from the city were working from home. I had friends personally who were working from home, working four hours a week. There's no way that you can push that many submittals within a reasonable amount of time, let alone teaching the people from the city how the ADU process works, you know, and David's nodding his head because he knows what I'm talking about. Well, <laughs> Especially it, it, with like Burbank. H HCD uh, purposely made some of the regulations a little bit vague so mm -hmm. that particular jurisdictions could interpret that the way that they wanted to. Right. And I, that, I think it has, is it like a double-edged sword? I mean, because some of these, you know, planners Very. are looking at this going, how do I interpret it? You know, it's a very double-edged sword. I yeah. absolutely agree. It is. It's it's tough. Um, but I, I I agree. Um, Burbank wasn't too hard. Uh, they you know we got through fairly quickly, and um, we're working through the city of LA on a couple of and there's a, a few things where we're it's not horrible, but again you know we we had a Zoom meeting with a planner today and a permit expediter. So we were talking about a job that we have, and it was interesting just talking just a few little things about ADUs and, and the numbers that they get are just fantastic. So I think in 2023, we're going to have another big number like we did 
2018, 2000. Oh, I agree. These numbers are going to double or triple. That's 100% for sure. Because I think for, you know, considering that in 2020 legislation made it more feasible, we're three years in, really two, two years in. And so it's still a very new concept for people. I think people are still understanding whether it's the city, you know, the, the lenders, the realtors, the appraisers, we're all learning. I'm still learning as we go, especially because there's so many changes being made as well. So we have to just constantly educate ourselves and, and stay up to date with this. But it just gives you really good context. And you know where I'm from in Long Beach, Long Beach is super easy to work with, Long Beach and Lakewood. So if, if I'm an investor, you know, when I have when I have consultations with investors or first time home buyers who have the intention of buying and building an ADU, I, we focus on cities that have a pretty streamlined process. So I would advise, you know, Lakewood, Long Beach, Santa Ana, L.A. City is, I would say, much better than L.A. County. Um, but, you know, I would agree with that. OK, Yeah. That's just been my experience. And so as an investor, you want to target those areas. Why? Because it's very important that the city has a streamlined process that's going to condense your, your time frame, right? You always want to be conservative with time frames, but especially for those investors who are holding these loans, you know, hard money loans for a certain amount of time, they're on a time crunch. And I think most people are. That's why I like to be super transparent with time frames and expect worst case scenario. Um, so as you guys see in the graph, most of the, the ADUs that have been built have been in LA, San Diego, and San Francisco, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, those are some of the higher dense areas, right? And, and, and that's, again, just for context, the average cost for, to build an ADU in California ranges, and it ranges between 150000 to 300000 In some cases, yeah, I've seen 600000 I mean, people will spend you know, crazy amounts, especially in the luxury market. I've seen people pay up to a thousand dollars price per square foot, David. Crazy. I believe it. I believe but, it. You know, these are very, very cool um, projects, but I think for the average homeowner, you know, you can expect for your project 150 being your, you know, your studio or one bedroom and 300,000 being your two to three bedroom, possibly. Um, I also like to highlight rents because a lot of people are doing it for that purpose. I mean, affordability here in, in LA, it's just ridiculous. And so people have to get very creative with, with the homes that they're buying and really maximize, maximize space and maximize rents. And so with rents, you, the rents can range between 1500 to 3500, 1500 being your smaller model between well, I would say anything under 500 square feet and, you know, up to 3,500 for some of the three bedrooms. And in some cases, I've seen even higher. It really just depends on your market and other factors like, you know, the ADU itself and, and things like that and the, the demand in your market. Right. And, and I would agree with that, you know, on the high side, because we're in, I'm in Burbank and we could easily rent um, our ADL for probably $3,800 to $4,200 a month because oh, perfect. That's, that's what some of the uh, more luxury apartments are running for now. And mm -hmm. Burbank is currently, this is, you know, we're in March of 2023 and the we're building apartments or having apartments are being built and they're pre-leasing them and we've called and we'll check to see what the rates are. And it is astonishing. And they're booked. I mean, they're like, hi, we 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 have two 150 
apartments and we have demand for all of them. Well, you know, it's funny you say that rents are just going to continue to grow and, and, and not just in the luxury market. I had a webinar with my good friend, Jesse, who's a midterm rental expert. He has nine properties. And with those nine properties, he's cash flowing close to a million, about 40,000 a month. And just with nine properties, some of them have ADUs, but he caters to travel nurses, agencies, corporate saves, professionals. And I really like that model because the midterm rental model, you you avoid the STR model, the short-term rental model. You don't have to worry about any ordinance changes, about someone banning STRs in your area. And and can you drill down on that just a little bit more for people who may not be familiar with what that is? I know what the um, STRs are in Burbank because they're not allowed, but if you could just- They're not allowed in Long Beach. Yeah, they're not allowed in Long Beach either. And technically you're not supposed to STR your ADU either. So I don't really like to advise, although we know people do it all the time, right? But, you know, I never advise clients to to STR it because one, I feel like it's just a lot of maintenance, but, you know, short STR stands for short term rental. And what that is, it's your Airbnbs, your VRBOs, your your two to three night stays, anything under 30 days, anything 30 days, right? 30 days or more is now considered could be considered midterm rental and midterm rentals is anything from a month to three months three to six months, six to nine months, and it could be up to a year even. And, and that's then- what is allowed in some of the, the uh, jurisdictional codes is that <laughs> it, it has to be over just 30 days, just cross that threshold. Just cross that threshold and it's less maintenance, less overhead and less, you know, just turnaround time. And so I, I, I did a, a, an episode with him, a webinar uh, last month, and he did a, an episode on bigger pockets. I would suggest you guys listen to that episode or watch the webinar on YouTube because he really dives deep into how to source out these agencies, right? You have to have contracts with these hospitals and their right. recruiting agencies, but you're, you're actually having a contract and agreement with the agency, not with the nurse herself or, or the, the traveler. You're, so it, it's, it's, like really dope because there's no liability, like whatever happens, you know, the, the hospitals will pay for it. They pay you three to six months in advance and they pay per bed. So what he does is, you know, most of these travel nurses travel together in groups. And so it'll be two, three nurses and he's charging per bedroom, 1200, 1500 per bedroom. Right. And what is the, um, and what are the platforms that somebody could watch or listen to that? Um, on my YouTube, you can go to Step Sales Homes YouTube, or you can go to my podcast, stepodcast.com. Um, his name is Jesse Vasquez, and he also came out recently on the Bigger Pockets uh, podcast. So you guys can find him on there. And that was the episode where he really shared even platforms on how he he looks for those leads on Furnish Finder. So I, I, that's that's one thing I learned. And now I'm sharing that with all of my investors, with everybody. I'm like, hey, look at this model. It's much easier. It's a much easier avatar to work with too. You know, with short-term rentals, sometimes you deal with people who are partying or like wreck your place. And these people are not with that intention. They're here to work. They work long hours. They want like somewhere to call home because a lot of them previously were being, you know, they were being placed in like hotels. So he would also call some of those hotels. You can look up like on monster.com, on indeed.com. You can look at travel nurse agency jobs in your area. 
and look at, you know, where's the demand and then reverse engineer that. If there's travel nurses being, you know, hired in Long Beach Memorial, then it would be ideal for you to start looking for properties near Long Beach Memorial with the intention of building. That's a whole strategy there, ADU MTR strategy, right? So then you kind of reverse engineer, okay, where's a good place to build that has a streamlined process with the city? Where are there hospitals nearby where I know that I can easily cater to my, my audience? And number three, making sure that the property is feasible for ADUs you know, and that we can maximize space. Like that would be the three key points that I'd be looking for before I even make a purchase, right? And, and absolutely. And I think that the reason that we're spending some time talking about short-term rentals, because people look at the short-term rentals, the Airbnbs, the VRBOs, because they're going to be able to get a higher rate of return. It's going to be more work, like Stephanie has mentioned. You're going to have to clean up. You got to kind of watch out for damage that could happen because you're just having so much turnover. So if short-term rental has the highest return, sort of medium-term rental is going to be not as much typically, but it's still right. going to be greater than, let's say, somebody you're signing a year lease with, that's going to be their a typical rental situation. Correct. And I would say, like, let's say, you know, your long-term rental is 1xing it, your midterm rental is 2 to 4x, and your Airbnb is like 5x, right? That's going to be the highest returns, but also the highest risk and the highest turnover. I really opt for that midterm rental model. You don't have to worry about ordinance changes. You don't have to worry about the tenant. You, you know, it's just, for me, I feel like that's the one that I'm gearing towards this year because I'm, I'm currently with other investors. We're looking for multifamily with the intention of building ADUs and our exit strategy is the MTR strategy. That's, that, you know, and I learned once I talked to Jesse, it was like a no brainer for me. Now I just have to build relationships with those with those hospitals. Right. Right. Which takes me to the next conversation is relationships. You know, in this business, we're in we're in the people's business and the relationship business. And I've, I've really been able to create a, a team structure when it comes to building your ADU. And it's no different than when you're buying a property or if you're a realtor who's listening, you know, who's part of your team when you're buying a property or you're representing a buyer. It's the realtor, the lender, the title rep, the escrow officer, the home inspector, the appraiser, everybody collectively brings something to the table. And if everybody's coordinating correctly and communicating well, everything can flow or should flow very smoothly. We never have control over everything, but that really helps streamline and mitigate the entire process. Same concept with ADUs. Part of your team will be an architect. You definitely need to have an architect, a contractor, an appraiser, right? And an architect is going to help you with the design. I think that one issue, and I'll talk about, you know, my what, where I come into play here and streamline the entire process is an architect, sometimes if they're not in sync with the contractor and they're not in sync with the client and, and really don't take that, the feedback that the client's providing and vice versa, a lot of things can, can go wrong. And what happens, the disconnect I feel is now as a new home, as a homeowner or as an, as an investor who wants to start building an ADU, all of a sudden they need to know how to read architectural designs. Right. <laughs> and the architect expects them to just like approve them and know how to read it. And then the homeowner gets upset because they're like, well, they, they told me I approved the plans, but 
I don't know how to read the plans. I didn't know the door was going to be like this or the washer. You know what I mean? Like it's these little things. So you want to make sure that the architect is very knowledgeable in ADUs, number one, because just like some realtors don't know about ADUs, there's a lot of architects that don't know about ADUs. So you want to make sure they're aware of that. They, they really specialize in ADUs and that they can explain it to the homeowner that way, you know? And I think that's super important with the contractor. Oh my God. I've had like horror stories with contractors. I think everybody has. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I just always like to emphasize there because people forget, like, I, I think they just go with whoever is word of mouth, whoever referred them to, to, you know, for the project. And that's, that's great. You know, if they're referred, that's awesome. But you still have to vet people. Like go to their site, go look at their work, go look at how their company works, how the team culture is within the construction world. You know, it, all of that tells you a lot about the person. Check out their Instagram, uh, make sure that they know about ADUs because, right, David, like I would say past 2020, all these ADU contractor experts came about and they were like, where were they before? Now, all of a sudden, every contractor is an ADU expert and they're really not. You know, they just well, kind of like, yeah, I, and I, definitely, I definitely want to talk on that. And while I'm talking on that, I, we've gotten a couple of requests for any of those links to the, um, the podcast or your YouTube channel. And I, I may have done something accidentally and disabled the chat. So I'll have to go back and fix that. But our Q&A is working. So oh, if, perfect. You put okay. something in the, if you had a chance to talk about that, put that into the Q&A, it'd be wonderful. And so my thoughts on what's happened now with ADUs and you know whether it's a garage conversion or a detached, detached, above a garage. Now homeowners it have are looking at new construction, whether you're owning or looking to buy. You now are for the first time ever. This millions of people are going to be looking at, you know, I want to do new construction. I want to build, and what it has done is it has brought in what I call carpet beggars, and these are people that are preying on yes. those naive, inexperienced, but highly motivated. Because one of the things I've heard of often is like, I need to get mom or dad out of where they're at, because the assisted living or where they would end up would cost me $8,000, $12,000 a month. Mm -hmm. we, and we rarely ever talk about those metrics. We're just talking cash flow. It is an entirely different game when you're talking about an elderly parent that would have to live someplace that would be three to four times what a mortgage would be. Even at six or 7%, it still makes sense to get that loan if you don't have the cash or you don't have the equity refinance because it'll be a lot less expensive in the long run and you know you never know mom or dad may be in a in a condo or a house that once you get them over there you could sell it and then kind of pay down whatever that loan is going to be but i to your point stephanie and i see this a lot in the social media is there are a lot of predatory very predatory contractors like oh it doesn't cost that much per square foot it should only cost you 150 dollars a square foot i'm like for what you're not going to get anything. It's like, you're going to get a, a tough shed maybe yeah, <laughs> with a toilet, which is going to be the, the blue box temporary toilet right outside. Right. So I, I'm making light of it, but a lot of folks are under the pressure and it is really, really difficult the, to be able to kind of educate them and say, don't just, just don't bite at that apple for that low price. And you mentioned something that I 
it, it really kind of got my attention, which is the general contractor's culture. And that really, oh, yeah. it's, mm -hmm. it shows me that you have the experience to be able to identify that as something that is important to be considered of. And oftentimes it's not. Yeah. And I'll give you an example of what I mean by culture for those of you who may not be in the business or, but culture pertains to any business, right? Not just the contracting business. But what, what I mean by that is if you go to someone's site and there's just like a mess everywhere, nobody's communicating well, right? Or you go to the site and the work, one of the subs is like talking shit about the PM or talking about other things that really don't bring any value to the table. The team, the whole team structure it, and the culture really helps set the tone for these projects and the communication back and forth, once again, with the architect and the, um, the client, right? Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. So I've seen it all when I've gone to these sites. And I think that that's one thing that I picked up is people who have very good culture typically have very good systems and processes in place, which really streamline everything for everyone. And they have a good good intentions right and they're not out to just you know get get to those people who are highly motivated who need to have their aging parents you know create an adu which i think was a good valid point i think most of the garage conversions that i've seen for like adu west coast cameron and i went to go look at a couple i think out of the six that we went to go see that day five or four of them were for aging family members because of what you mentioned, the assisted living fees are just ridiculously high. And the other two for were for cash flow. So I, I, I want to say that most of them are even for aging family members, but a lot of the younger community too want it for passive income or to help them offset their mortgage. So. And, I, and I'll add to something that I've, I've seen a lot and I, and I, I touch on, but I want to touch on it again is that the teams that are put together. So as an example, yes. Stephanie's talking about it, but she's not really promoting it the way that I'm going to do it now. <laughs> Somebody like her, they have the team. And that team is very critical to maintain. Everybody understands their role and they're part of that team and that they have value and experience. And it's it's all for the client because they need to, this is a long and expensive process. It's going to take a year to two years it's going to cost 150 to 300,000 and there's a lot of moving parts to and a homeowner just like me I've been doing property development for 20 years but with factory built manufactured homes and never in my backyard what i experienced was overwhelming it was stressful it was i didn't know and 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 the, the communication wasn't as ideal as i would have wanted it but it was okay and we got through it it's just that expectation, which is what, you know, you started off the, the webinar with is like, it's important to be able to build and set the proper expectation for the, uh, that, uh, for the process. And that's what I'm referring to when I say the team, the culture, and having that sort of cohesiveness and having everybody work well together is highly overrated. It's not really focused on enough and people kind of gloss over it. Well, I'm just going to get something done. I'm going to talk to Uncle Jim and he's going to get Uncle Steve and we're just going to build it. Right. <laughs> and that typically, I mean, I always tell people, if you can build something under 150 or 100, under 100,000, well, that's good. Good for you. And if it goes well, great. But for the majority of people, it's just, it's, that's unrealistic, especially if you want a good team together, right? Like the team that I work with, their fees are not your lowest, they're not your highest, but they are 
they're highly vetted and they're very skilled at what they do. And I think that it's fair because once again, they are here for the people, they're here for the client. And I know that if I call my appraiser, he's there. If I call the contractor and we have change orders and we, then he's there, you know, like the architect, same thing where they're there to pick up what, what, what I need as far as support. And, and that just comes through relationship too. I think that part of the culture is, is that relationship, right? Like we know how we work. And so they, they understand that I have a, I've set a standard and we have expectations. And although yes, we're friends and we have a good relationship at the end of the day, we're here to do business and make sure that we give the client a good experience. Agreed. And, and part of the team is your lender, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I am a consultant. I created, you know, I was trying to see like, okay, as a realtor who specializes in ADUs, rather than referring out the business, how can I create my own lane where I become like a neutral party between the architects, the, the contractors, the um, the lender and myself and the client. And so I became, I came up with this role as a as an ADU consultant to help you streamline the entire process. And that typically works like, a, I thought about it, David, and I was like, okay, maybe I could do like a TC business, you know, like a transaction coordinator is really just helping you with the paperwork and streamlining everything for the realtor. So I thought to myself, how can I streamline that for everyone? And so I do have like a monthly fee for the entire project. Um, and, and what I do is I, I streamline everything for you. Not only do I give you access to my network and my entire team, but I make sure that every single week I check in with everyone and I go over everything with you and every, everybody else. If there's any discrepancies on the plans, maybe you need help you know, reading plans, I will help you with that. I can help you gauge estimates because here's the other thing, it becomes, very overwhelming, as you said, for a homeowner to go look for a good ADU company and then start learning how to, how to read plans and learn about the process and learn about financing and learn about what they're going to do with it. And, you know, there's so many components that come into the picture that my job is to really just streamline the entire thing. And I think that you're touching again, I think that there's where if Again, if you're listening, if you're watching, and, and, I, and I'm not sure if you can see the, um, the Q&A, but there's a couple questions. I think they're for you. And the one thing that I want to touch on, as, as Stephanie mentioned, is the consulting component, and correct me if I'm wrong, is something that you could engage someone like herself to be able to kind of help you, even if you have your own real estate agent and you're kind of doing something, but you need to have her expertise to be able to say, okay, well, I can kind of look at that, but she may, and that's because she has a perspective of it. And one of the things that I'm, I know that she's looked at is the, the incredible amount of detail that goes into identifying all those things. There is an Excel spreadsheet that I share with um, my clients that I consult with. It's over 300 line items. And those 300 line items are just the components within the, the ADU itself. And so when you start to drill down into these things, it can be really overwhelming. And very quickly, can you see how that happens? And so I would, and if you could just spend just a minute talking a little bit more about how your consultant um, services work. Yeah, absolutely. So part of my, I have two tiers. One would be an hour consultation along with the feasibility analysis of your property, right? Or your purchase. If you're looking to purchase then we'll analyze what the purchase is gonna look like and try to under, underwrite everything 
prior to even going out to go look at properties. So that's one tier, a consulting fee. And what I mean by a feasibility analysis is I will literally give you a report that you can take with you anywhere and go work with whatever contractor, architect you want to work with. Um, you simply pay me for that fee and I do all the research on the back end. And on top of that, I go over my entire presentation with you, for you. And every single scenario is different, right? Every property is different. Every homeowner's motivation is different. So it's it's just like a one-on-one -on -one session. Tier number two would be that uh, you pay me a monthly fee for that eight-month period, 12-month period, however long the project is. And I streamline the entire process for you. I'll communicate with the architect on your behalf, the lender, the appraiser, um, everyone really, and, and give you weekly updates. And then also share my feedback, right? What I see working because I, I obviously have developed an ADU lens from looking at so many properties, going to so many ADU consultations that I can really help you identify things that you probably wouldn't even know because you're not in the space. So again, it's just really trying to problem solve what I've seen has been the biggest gap. You know, like I'll give you an example. There's a lot of ADU companies that, that will refer the clients out to an, a lender. They'll just say, go, go get pre-approved with the lender and then come back to us when you're approved. That's like a realtor saying, hey, go get approved and then come back to me when you're approved. Like you're really not servicing the client. Let me hold your hand throughout the entire process. I'll connect you with my architect. Here's a list of vetted ones. Here's a list of, you know, a vetted contractors. Here's a list of appraisers. Here's everybody. Choose who you want to work with. Send me the information. I'll do all my research on the back end. And then we'll we'll make this a smooth process for you. And I think and that that's it's important because a lot of people do get kind of frozen with um, anxiety, trepidation. They're not sure. And they, a lot. And it's, so it's just like they just can't move forward. I have that as one of my top five mistakes people make is that when they kind of step into thinking about it and then they don't take that next step to actually do it. And I think that there's a lot of value to the to those services. I'm I'm going to Thank see you. if you are you if there aren't any more slides because I have questions I want to ask too. Yes, there are some slides. I think we've just been spending too much time on each one. <laughs> and I did see the two live Q and A's. I'll answer those. Let me just finish up. I think I have four more slides. Two really. Um, the other two are just my information where you guys can connect with me. We touched on timeframes and workflows, which we talked about the city process. So phase one, once you get your financing and once you know what you want to build and you have an idea of where you're building or buying, then your first phase is your, your designs, you know, your plans. You go back and forth with the architect and figure out what, what, what you're really going to go for. You submit that, you pay for your permits, and typically that takes three to five months. It can take less time. It can take 30 days. You can have over-the-counter approval. That's why it matters who you work with, you know, but I just to be conservative, three to five months. The construction phase takes about four to eight months. And again, being conservative. So in total, if you're doing a garage conversion, it can take eight to 12 months. If you're doing new ground up, 12 to 14 months. In some cases, it may take longer. And, you know, if it takes less time, then good for you. But I always like to prepare people for worst case scenario, right? So give yourself 12 months. And I think that that's also, I was on a, um, a, a virtual meeting with a bunch of people that do coaching and education. And I was talking about, yeah, it takes, you know, anywhere from 9, 12, 14 months. They're like, why does it take so long? I'm like, 
well, you, you know, that's new construction and there's designing and you need to figure out what it is you want. And then you have to put that design on your plot plan, which shows the setbacks and utility connections, if there's any easements, and then you have to get that ready for submittal. And then you got to make sure your title 24 energy calculations are done. Your structural engineering's all finished, which right. an architect would take care of automatically, but we again, I'm in the rabbit hole. I'm going to try to get myself out because designers and draftsmen, they, they will do a floor plan, but they're not going to do all the structural and the engineering calculations that they may need to farm out. So just the design plans and permitting takes a while. And then again, construction in a perfect world, as long as you don't throw a wrench in the works like I did with ours <laughs> and say, I don't want a wall mounted mini split. I want a ducted mini split in the attic. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, double, double the price and took me a three month delay. So it's new construction. It, most people have never done it. Be patient. Be patient. Yeah, you have to, because like you said, it's a new construction. And I hear people sometimes say, oh, well, I know somebody who did it in six months. And I'm like, great. That's good for them. My job is to set you up for good expectations and, you know, not overwhelm yourself. I think people just want crunch time and we're in a society you know, that just wants things instantly, like we're on Amazon ordering these things and it just, we're not there yet. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> I'll quickly go over things to consider. If I'm an investor or if I'm a realtor guiding and advising my, my clients, I would one, steer away from buying in an HOA if your intention is to build. And if you currently live in an HOA, understand that working with the HOA management company is just going to be not a hurdle, but whenever you have other parties involved, it delays these timelines. And I worked in HOA management. It's not like the easiest to work with, but they can't restrict you from, from building because, again, it is a statewide um legislation that passed. So HOAs, they may have their own regulations with their CCNRs, you know, and, and they'll instill like that the ADU looks aesthetically pleasing to the main home, things like that. Um, solar panels for all new construction, you're going to need solar panels. So the numbers that David and I were throwing around earlier, you can add another 10, 15,000, sometimes 20,000 for these solar panels. Um, historic neighborhood. I'm currently working on the ADU project in Highland Park. And, you know, I learned a lot with that one, working with the historic preservation. My investors had already bought it, but had I had they reached out to me prior, I helped them with the project, not with the investment. I would have steered them away from building in historic areas as well, because especially if you're holding a hard money loan, it's like, and you want to get this done in 12 months, that's not, that's not wise. But of course, they, they didn't know that. Um, if you're going through Coastal Commission, you all, again, and these are all like other third parties that are being involved. And so you need their approval and that just creates more time for these projects. Um, and if you're building down the coast, you have to, you know, go through Coastal Commission. Um, you want to vet all the information, even everything that I just shared with you guys today. Make sure you guys vet me, vet everything for yourselves so you can also educate yourselves because the education piece of it is what's going to give you the confidence to go out and, and do what you want to do. Septic is also a very big thing. In LA, you don't see it much, but you know, out in the valley, Riverside area, 
if you're if you have a septic tank which means you're not like connected to the public to the public sewer system you have a septic system you're going to need a separate one for the adu which is one an added expense two now you need a certification so it's just another inspection and more time frames and utility access, right? I've been to a lot of appointments and it's very hard to say what the ADU is gonna cost just over the phone and without going to your site because we've got to check like utility connections. Like what is the trenching? Trenching is very expensive. So the, where the ADU is located versus where you have to trench out to the main sewer um, is, is definitely gonna make an impact in your, in your budget amount. So these are all just things that I've highlighted. And, you know, I talked about the team set up earlier. This is Sydney, uh, who's an appraiser. I would say screenshot this and make sure you guys get everybody's information and connect with them. Sydney is awesome. He will help you evaluate any ADUs that you need because he specializes in that. Most appraisers don't really even know or don't care to know or don't spend time understanding the different types, the income approach, you know, we're going to be talking about that at today's event. Um, and I'll share more information and I'm doing a podcast with him soon. So I'll, I'll introduce you to him, David, I think he would be good to have on your show here and he would bring a lot of knowledge around ADUs. Absolutely. Anything to bring more education, because as you said, it, you know, I get that question, what is the cost per square foot? I'm like, how can I answer that? And I feel, again, I, like I want to be sensitive to the, the fact mm -hmm. that they're asking. Right. I don't want to say, but I say, you know, that is probably, and I kind of say, you know, you're doing yourself a little bit of a disservice unless you really understand what it is you want. Because exactly. if you go with somebody that goes, it's $150 a square foot, you are going down the most treacherous path you could possibly go on. And you're going to set yourself up for failure because right. of all the things that are involved. But people have a hard time in their heads understanding conceptually everything that's involved. And, and if you're listening to this, you know, Stephanie has a slide up here that has, you know, herself, you have Irvin Lopez with his mortgage advisor, you have Brian Gonzalez with Noble Oak um, Escrow. You have Cameron Meredith, who's with um, ADU West Coast, and you have a person she mentioned, Sydney, who is with South Shore Appraisals. And I'm sure we'll be able to get you in touch with these people if you, again, are watching or listening to this, because we want you to have that knowledge. Exactly. Now, I could introduce everybody else, but, you know, I'll share them. You guys can follow me on Instagram. They're all over my Instagram. We do meetups together. But I know that you guys have questions and I have to head out shortly to my other meetup. So we'll go through this quick case study, which we kind of already touched on numbers, but this one was built by Cameron at ADU West Coast. It's a, a, a 386 square foot studio ADU. I went to go check it out. Very, very great layout. It was a garage conversion, 130,000 was the, the, the cost for this build out. It took 12 months for 386 square foot, right? Just being um, very transparent with timeframes there. Appliances were not included for this one. The seller or homeowner purchased their own. It's located in Long Beach. And, and I thought it was very cool because we were talking about the travel nurse uh, concept. And this one's gonna be for that. It's for travel nurses, so. Welcome to the ADU place. I won't go we're over the, the affirmations, but. In different phases different conditions, different styles, what they rent for, equity plays, and a lot of good stuff. So let's start off with the first one. This one's listed by Justin Fidel. You guys got to check him out. He's here in Los Altos. So check it out. 
So this one here is actually a three bed, two bath originally, but they're gonna do an addition. So it'll be a four, three. They're also working on an ADU back here, which is going to be a one, one. Mind you, Cal State Long Beach is right down the street too, so. Yeah, so that one there is right down the street from Cal State Long Beach. What I liked about this project is that they, they, they're building this ADU here and you can't see in this video, I have the rest of it on my YouTube, but on the right, on the left-hand side, they, they kept the garage. So that's one thing I liked. They kept the garage. Now, you know, that, that tenant back there will have privacy and they'll be able to rent that out for like 25, 3000 easy. Definitely. Here's all of my information, guys. Um, website, Instagram, YouTube, podcast. And I do have a book for realtors. It's called The Ultimate Guide for ADUs, where I go more in, in depth and more in detail on everything that I just talked about today. And, you know, I'm always here as a resource. I'm always looking to grow my team as well. So if, if you are a realtor who's looking to join a, a, a team that specializes in ADUs, I'd be more than happy to see if, if we're a good fit. And here's everything. So here's the YouTube channel, the Spotify podcast, the book, and where you can schedule an ADU consultation or, or uh, an investment consultation with me. And everything's here. Wonderful, Stephanie. Um, really appreciate that. That's a fantastic presentation. And I yeah. thought we would have a little bit more time. To I know, right? Yeah, I said, I said 20 minutes. And David was <laughs> like, oh, how long is your presentation? I'm like, 20 minutes. Here we are an hour later. <laughs> and no, well, I, I think it is, it's very helpful. It's beneficial. And, and I would uh, be very happy to continue this conversation next time, maybe uh, six months, a year from now, if not sooner, to kind of see how things are playing out. Because I'm sure with your activity and the work that you're doing in the education consulting space, you're going to be able to have additional new insights for people. Because the one of the questions, you know, I and I have like 12 of them, I think, mm -hmm. is like, you know, the advantages, disadvantages, what are you seeing? What kind of regulations? And so I'm not going to ask those now. I'm going to save them till next time. All right. All right. Good. Well, good. Stephanie, thank you very much. Um, there was one question in the Q&A, I think. Um, yes. Can you advise more on financial, especially for people with little equity on HELOCs? That's from uh, Dami. And so Dami, I hope that you've had a chance to be able to capture some of Stephanie's contact information. Um, and if you haven't, I'll be sure that when I do put in the podcast description, I'll link it there. Also, the, once we do kind of do the post-production edits on this video, it'll be on our um, YouTube channels for ADU University, um, and that's aduuniversity.org, and we'll provide um, her resources there. Again, thank you very much for all the time. I know you got to run, and this has been fantastic. Thank you so much, David. And to Dami, please send me a DM directly or, or reach out to me and I will help you with your HELOC situation. And all the other questions, let's save them. They're great and they're awesome. So I will come back with, with more answers for you guys. Thank you so much, David. You're welcome, Stephanie. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye everyone.